Well, Happy New Year's, everyone. Yeah, it's been, what, what a day are we? January 5th? It's been five days, and it's already, a lot of stuff seemed to have already happened in the world. Uh, but I think it's good for us in the beginning of New Year, especially for our Bible study, to kind of set our minds uh, for how we can be part of this Bible study in a way that will glorify God. I know that this Bible study is a small part of this church, and this church is part of a small part of the, of the larger body of Christ as a whole. And we know that the church of Christ is part of God's divine plan. And I think it's very easy for us to forget that, that from the smallest thing that we do here at church, whether it is a Bible study, a small group, um, a discipleship group or a discussion group, sometimes we forget how does this fit into God's overarching plan. And I have to submit to you guys that it is actually important. Um, it's not just that the great movements in church histories are, are things that matter to the Lord, but it's really the, the regular day-to-day, the faithfulness to the Lord in the way that we live, that is actually more impactful than the single, singular events that happen in church history. And we need to remember that our lives here as Christians, it does have eternal significance. And my hope for us for this message tonight is really to help us uh, kind of focus our minds in terms of like the mission statement of joint heirs. I know that sometimes we come to Bible study, we wonder why are we here? What is the purpose of coming to Friday nights after a long week of work or whatever you guys are doing? How can we, what is the point of joint heirs? I hope that to be able to go through this message to really just sow the seed of truth in your mind so that hopefully throughout this year it'll take root. Or that if there are moments that you're forgetting why am I coming here on a Friday night, that you can draw to your mind these four general visions of joint heirs. So uh, before I start, I'd like to just pray for us and then we'll get into, the, into God's word. Father God, Lord, thank you for your, your word and this opportunity to, to, to have an overview of this Bible study. Lord, we know that without you, we can do nothing. That without your working intervention in our lives, we're, we will never be able to fulfill anything to your glory. And Lord, help us as we look over these visions um, of, of, of the mission statement of this Bible study, that we're able to be faithfully applied to our lives on a regular basis so that you can be made known in this world, and that you can be glorified in the seemingly mundane of our lives. In your son's name I pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, if you were to categorize joint heirs in terms of what we do here at our Bible study, and I know most of you guys are not new to our church, but again, it's always good to have a little refresher on why we meet here on a Friday night. So, off the bat, I'm just going to give you the four outlines, and then we just kind of walk through each and every single one of them. The first reason why we're here is to study God's words diligently. Second one is to seek discipleship regularly. Third is to serve the church faithfully. And fourth is to share the gospel boldly. Now, if you were to write it in a sentence, it's all of these four things to the glory of God. We, are, we study the word of God diligently to the glory of God. We seek discipleship regularly to the glory of God. We serve the church faithfully to the glory of God. And we share the gospel boldly to the glory of God. So we'll look at the first one. We study the word diligently to the glory of God. 
in the first passage, and this is going to be like a topical message because uh, I don't think there's one verse that can hit all four points. So I, I want to just kind of just show us from different passages of Scripture the importance of each of these topics from God's Word. So the first one would be from Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 16. If you have your Bibles, just turn there. Or if you're just writing notes, you can put this down and maybe meditate upon this later on in the week. But Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Verses 16 tells us this. Let the word of God, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We have to understand that this fellowship group, this Bible study, is always going to be centered around the Word of God. Yes, we'll have moments where we'll have topical messages. Uh, I think there are times that are appropriate for those things, whether it's some sort of cultural issue or shepherding issues. There will be moments where we'll be tackling certain issues in life, but they should always derive from the Word of God. Whatever opinions I have, it's just an opinion. Uh, but whatever the, the Word has to say, those are things that actually matter. There are going to be things that I will say that just a principle and how it applies to your life might be different from one person to the next. But my hope is that in this Bible study that you're equipped to know God's Word. That every Friday that you come here, and not just really Friday, but Sunday or anytime you're studying God's Word, that you study it diligently. It's not a time for you to just sit back and relax. The, song, the singing is over, now I'm just going to relax for 45 minutes. But rather you are here to study God's Word diligently. Um, this isn't really to you know, make me feel good about my preaching or for anyone to like, oh, we put so much effort into it. The least you can do is just listen to us. No, that's not what we're here for. Uh, we're just a vessel here to just share God's word. And my hope is that just as we're diligent in studying and preparing a message, that you'll be diligent in terms of listening to God's word and then think about ways in which you apply it to your life. Um, You'll notice that on Sunday, sometimes when the pastors finish preaching, we kind of do a little quick huddle. Uh, that huddle is not because we don't want to talk to other people, but we're trying to give each other, you know, kind of critiques and uh, find ways to tweak our sermons here and there. And oftentimes, the feedback—I I feel like I give the least useful feedback because I usually give the feedback on things that how the word or the message like impacted my life. Uh, just a way to encourage them, like, here, here's the things I'm thinking about. So it's less about like, oh yeah, here's how you transition better, or here's one illustration to another, but it's more like. Here's what I'm thinking about when it comes to when you set that line or when, you're, um, when you bring up that illustration or, or made that cross-reference. I think for all of us, I think that's part of the Christian life, that you're not here in a way that you're just consuming for sake of critiquing. You're, you're here to consume so you can know God's Word. Part of diligently studying God's Word requires you to use your mind. It's something that the world turns off when it, whenever they see some sort of entertainment or someone up on stage. But as Christians, in the context of the church, we don't turn our minds off. We're actively engaging the speaker. Really, we're actively engaging God's word. When we see in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, let the word of God richly dwell within you. It's, it's, it's this idea that it consumes you. You're consuming God's word, yes, but it consumes you. It, it focuses your mind, and you want to know more of God's word each and every single day. The more time you spend in God's word, 
the greater your devotion will be to him in your life. Oftentimes, whenever I do counseling with people, when they're talking about their own struggles in life, I usually come up with questions, and they're usually the same types of questions, but how they respond to these questions will tell me about where they are spiritually. Uh, One of the questions I'll ask is, how is your Bible reading? And oftentimes, the people that fall into grave sin, the reason why they fall into grave sin is because they've disconnected from God's word. There's a separation from God's word, and that it makes their heart drift away towards sin. And that is why God's word is important in this Bible study, because it's designed for us to know the mind of God. God's word is what we need so that we can live in a way that is pleasing to him. The Bible, and really Christianity as a whole, is centered around the word of God. It's not centered around the building. It's not centered around the the people that you're with. Christianity is about the word of God. It's the living word of God. It's not just some words that's printed on the page. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and be able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's been said that God's word is the only word that you read that actually reads you. It, it reveals to you what you need to work on in your own life. Scripture tells us about God, and in turn, it, re- it reveals to us where we fall short. But not just in terms of sin, but also it reveals who our God is. Again, Christianity is not a, a yes, it's centered around God's word, but it's not a book of rules. It's a book that tells us about him so that we can have a right relationship with God. So we can, when we study God's words diligently, it draws our affections to him. It revitalizes our hearts so that we have a right perspective on who he is, which in turn gives us joy. I mean, this is what John Piper always talks about, about like the finding uh, joy and pleasure in God. That's really Jonathan Edwards' thing, and really that's the things that's from Scripture. That in God's word, we find blessing. Not in terms of material blessing, but we find joy and everlasting satisfaction in God. Again, if you think about your own life, if you think about why you're discontent, why you're struggling with sin, chances are God is not attractive to you. And it's because you're, 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 you're disconnected from the word of God. You should have a regular diet of God's word, but it's not just simply reading and skimming God's word. It should be something that you takes effort. You, you spend time meditating on it. You read slowly. I don't know if some of you are going through the yearly Bible plan. I mean, we're day five in 2024. Some of you might already be behind. Um, I know I am right now. I'm like one day behind. But when it comes to reading God's Word, it's not just a check mark that you put next to the Bible app. It's something that you know, like, this is a privilege for me, for me to be able to engage God's Word. God has graciously saved me. God has graciously enabled me changed my heart and my mind, gave me new affections, and you should use that affection to grow in your love for the Lord. And that requires you to study God's word. Scripture is not for you to just, again, it's not a rule book, it's not a history book, although it has those things in it, but it's primarily a way for you to know our God. It's for us to know him. 
Learning about God's word requires you to engage with your entire mind, not just in your, in your private Bible study time, but also corporately as well. This is why I'm so grateful for this church, because in almost, in almost every single fellowship group, there's some sort of Bible teaching. I know nursery doesn't have it, but that's not really a class. It's more like just having the kids, but... You know, throughout, this, throughout Sundays and usually even Friday nights right now, every single group right now, they're centered around God's word. And that's a good thing. That's something that we need to protect here in this church and, and here in this Bible study as well. When we think about God's word, it is something that we need to cherish. I'm thankful that Joe's going to be teaching his um, how to study the Bible class because that, that's, those are, he's going to give you tools to dive into God's word deeper and deeper. Not, again, not for the sake of just knowing things, which is a temptation for a church like this. And this is what um, Scripture tells about knowledge puffing up. But rather, you should study God's word because it should make you be a greater worshiper of God. When the, the deeper you dive into God's word, the more you realize how amazing God is. It is said, I think... I think it was Steve Lawson that said it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. And if you think about it in that way, how much of the Bible do you know, you can, you can already see how far, how, how immature we really are because we don't really know the Bible as much as we should. It takes time, it takes a lifetime to know God's word. And even beyond because there's so much about God and his word that we'll never be able to fulfill. But every new nugget of truth that we learn about the Lord it's changed the way that we live. Be diligent in your personal Bible study reading time. Be diligent when it comes to things like Sunday school. Be diligent when it comes to this, the preaching of God's word. Wherever, whenever you engage God's word, whatever opportunity you have, be diligent in terms of studying God's word. Pray about the passage. Read about it. Meditate on it. Well, I mean, that's the reason why we have those discussion questions, usually on Sunday and Friday, is because it's supposed to help you engage God's word more. And there's different ways to do it. You can have you know, memorize, memorizing cards. You can have different accountability. You can memorize scripture together. These are all good things. But the point is that you want to regularly study God's word. You want to be diligent when it comes to engaging the word of God. Not only that, I hope that for this Bible study, that we seek discipleship regularly. Not only do we study God's word diligently, but we seek discipleship regularly. This uh, passage that comes to mind is 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. 2 Timothy, sorry, uh, first, yeah, 2 Timothy 2, where it says, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul here is writing this letter to Timothy. It's probably his last letter to Timothy before he gets killed and martyred. And, he, and, and Timothy is someone that's just discouraged because of all the, the persecution from the world and even from within the church. People saw him as this young individual and they judged him based on his age. Like, what do you know, young man? And Paul is trying to encourage him to press on, to not give up and one of the things that he instructs Timothy to do is to entrust the things that he's learned from Paul to give it to other men, and hopefully that they can entrust it to other faithful people as well. There's like four generations of disciples here. 
or disciples here. There's Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men who also teach others as well. There's four generations of people. And we have to understand that this is part of the Christian life. The Christian life is, in, in, is learning about God's word and then passing it on to other people. And we already said that part of learning God's word diligently is you have to study it, but then the things that you learn about God, you should be able to pour out and out to other people. At the same time, you have to remember that you need to be poured into as well. There are so many things that we can do here behind the pulpit. And yes, I do know that God's word has everything pertaining to life of godliness. But sometimes we might be going through a topic or a book in the Bible that you're not actually wrestling through in your life. You know, like you might be going through a certain trial and we might be preaching through something else and, and you might be wrestling with things and you need someone to counsel you. This is a perfect time to find people in your life to help you think through some of those life things. You might be, we might be going through the book of Mark and, you're, and you know, we're talking about the life of Christ and how he's going to be killed and persecuted, and persecuted, tried and killed. But you might be going through something that in your mind may not be related to what we're preaching through. But if you have other people in your life, you can share those things and they can come alongside you to encourage you in those ways. Discipleship is, it should be a regular part in the, in the church life. And, and understand, when I say discipleship, it's not just, it's, there's multiple ways in which we disciple people. Paul here has Timothy, but he also has other people, I think even Titus as well. He has different people in his life that he pours into. If we look at scripture, there's like, List of different ways. There, there's Paul, and again, people here that he's ministering to. But Jesus has his 12 disciples. And even in the Old Testament, we see someone like Moses and his successor, Joshua, or Elijah passing into Elisha. There's like a successor of different individuals that they pass the, the baton to. And as Christians, that's normal. The things that you learn, the things that uh, you learn from other people, especially when it pertains to God's word, you entrust it to other people. You should desire discipleship, not because you want to make friends, although that's true, that's, that, that comes with it, but you should want other people <coughs> to encourage you in the faith. The Christian life is not, it's not meant to be lived alone. God has made us to be relational creatures, and the church is a great place to build those discipleship relationships you have people that pour into you. You have people that can confront you. You have people that can bear your burdens. I mean, the, all of the one another's, there's an expectation there that you're with other people in your life. And I think when it comes to discipleship, I think well, there are people that criticize our church for the lack of discipleship. And I think there's, a, there's some truth to it in the sense that we may not have the structure that maybe other churches have. But at the same time, we do have discipleship in that even in the passing moments where we see each other, we talk about things of the Lord, there's part of it that is discipleship. Again, our church is not, it's not there's not like an empty void. We do have different discipleship things going on. We have Anchored, uh, we have Forged for the men, we have T2 coming up. We have different groups, we have the discussion group as well. These are all the ways in which discipleship happens in the church. Can we improve? For sure, we, yes we can. But that doesn't mean that discipleship has to be a particular mold a particular way. But discipleship in principle is just any time that you pour out yourself to other people. That you're willing to take time to entrust God's word from one person to another. It does take effort. 
It takes time. It may take some resources. In a lot of ways, this is what Christ expects of all Christians, that we live amongst each other, and then in that we sharpen one another. We encourage each other. There are different types of discipleships. There are I mean, even the way that I preach here or whoever's preaching on Sunday, that is a form of discipleship because I'm entrusting God's word to you guys. But yes, there's groups like uh, smaller type groups. There are Sunday schools. These are all ways in which you can have collect a group of people for discipleship. And there's one-on-one as well. Again, ideally, is that you are being poured in by someone through, uh, about God's word and then you find someone to pour that out to, out in, onto. Now, how do I do this? I mean, yes, we can sign up for some of the different groups. That's one way that you can be plugged in, and we have those. If you have any questions about those groups that I've mentioned, please let me know. I'll, let you, I'll, I'll try my best to plug you into different individuals that would love to pour into you. Or others, you might just ask people. You just go up to someone and say, hey, I know you're good at finances. Can you disciple me in that particular area? Or uh, you are... Like I'm married, you're married, I want to, and you've been married longer than I, can I learn from you? Or if you want to go into biblical counseling, you find someone that's in the realm of counseling, you ask them to train you. In whatever area you want to grow in, there's someone in this church that's bound to have that gift that can help you sharpen and refine you to be a better man or woman of God. The church is made up of different individuals, and we're here to build one another up. Again, but discipleship is only possible if you understand that there's something that you're lacking. Someone that is prideful will not be a good disciple Someone who thinks that they have it all, that they know everything, and you can tell because they have no one pouring into them, but they love pouring out. They love sharing what they know about life and scripture, but there's no one pouring into them. Discipleship requires you to be humble to realize that you don't know everything and that you want to learn. It requires humility. I mean, I've shared before that sometimes I ask different elders the same question, not because I'm trying to cherry-pick what I like and then like pit the elders against one another. Sometimes I just want to know how they think. So I'm learning not just the answer that they're going to give, but I'm learning how they process my question and how they think through things. And it allows me to see, oh, that's, that's one way to look at a situation, or here's another way to look at a situation. These are just ways, like, you know, they have different approaches, and that's because the Lord used them differently, and they're different experiences and life experiences and, you know, Bible knowledge. And it's helpful just to learn from different guys, even if it's the same topic. Discipleship is only possible if you're humble enough to learn. Be, you want to be regular in terms of discipleship. Look for those, seek discipleship in your life regularly. Again, the key word here is regularly. Um, it could be, and I'm not saying it has to be every single day or every single week, but at least there's someone in your life that can keep you accountable. There's someone that can be, that's teaching you, and there's someone that you're teaching as well. And that's a good thing to have. In the life of the church, we want to be in each other's lives because there's bound to be someone that's more mature than you in the faith, and there's bound to be someone that is not as mature. And then the, uh, we see that this is how the Lord built the church. It's like there's going to be people pouring out from one to another. Now, if you are older in the faith and you're not willing to pour out to other people, that's also pride as well. You know, it's easy to think that the one that it doesn't want to be disciple is proud, but if you don't want to pour out into other people, you think that you can just hoard all the knowledge, well, that's a, that's a poor steward 
of what God's word, this is the poor suit of God's word because you're called to go and trust this to other people. And the only reason why you don't want to is because you probably think it's all for me. You have this golem attitude towards God's word. No, but God's word is meant to be spread meant to, for other people to know and enjoy as well. So be able to, to, to look around. There's bound to be people, there's bound to be people in the church that would love to, to, to learn from you and that you can also learn from as well. So not only do we, this Bible study, study God's word diligently to the glory of God or seek discipleship regularly to the glory of God, but third, serve the church faithfully to the glory of God. Serve the church, serve the church faithfully to the glory of God. Serving the church, and I, I preached on this during my, my, my doctoral project, so I might not spend so much time on this, but you understand that serving is using the gifts that God has given you so that you can use it to build the body of Christ. The Lord empowers all of us as believers with different gifts and the talents and the abilities and resources, and we're supposed to use it to build up the body of Christ. We're made to do good works. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are made for that. We're not, made, we're not saved to just do nothing. We're will do something with our lives. Again, serving the church faithful, that's an internal thing. We're going to talk about outreach in a sec. But when it comes to serving the church, we're supposed to use the gifts that God has given us to help build up the body of Christ. All of us have some sort of talent. All of us have some sort of gift. Even, in, again, the most basic thing that you can do is just build relationships with people in the church. Which kind of goes back to the last point, which is discipleship. You know, you might be someone that is, you might be someone that might think, there's nothing that I can do here because there's, there isn't a ministry for it. But if you're in the life of people in the church, you're bound to find some sort of need. And when you see people with a certain need, you want to meet those needs. And if you can't meet those needs, you want to pray, for, pray that the Lord will help you find a way to meet those needs, whether it's bringing someone alongside that individual or maybe the Lord moved you to go and, and help, with, help with that. And I'm so thankful for this church. I'm thankful for so many of you because I know that a lot of you serve in different ways in this church. Some of you are in the back with AV. Some of you guys are down, like, you know, you're with the kids. Some of you are teaching different Sunday schools. That's great. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for all of you in that way. So, you know, again, I'm not talking about you who are serving in, you know, diligently. But I know that there are some that just feels like they just come into the church for sake of just being like consumers. I've said before that the church is not, it's not, a, it's not a spectator sport. You're not supposed to just observe the things in the church. No, you're an active participant. We should serve the church faithfully. I'm thankful for people that set up the chairs. I'm thankful for people that clean up after themselves or help others clean up. Thanks for the people that bring up the snacks here or the admin. All of the different ways of the church, is you, the different members of the church that can help the function of the church. You know, there are things like that, you know, the things like lights and all these setups. I have no, if you ask me to like deconstruct the stage, it's over. We might as well just church plant because I will destroy this building. But there are people that are gifted. They understand there's a logic and reason to why they put the lights away. They, they do the drum sets, everything. The wires, all these things. These are all different individuals using their gifts to build up the body of Christ. And this pulpit was built by a former elder. I don't know if he has a name somewhere here, but this is, 
this, this former elder, he was into woodworking, and he built this pulpit. Um, he has gone, he's, you know, he's now with the Lord, but you know, when you even look at the things in the church, there's so many things that is because they saw a need in the church, and they were willing to meet those needs. At some point, I don't know what happened before this pulpit, and I don't know what they used, but you know, this, you can, let me, this is an amazing thing to see that the faithfulness of one individual where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of sermons are preached behind this pulpit. And I'm sure, think of, if you think about anything that, that need, if some sort of need in the church and you meet those needs, that's good. You know, the Lord has placed you here, and you know, sometimes you might see something in the church like, hey, how can I improve in the church in this way? And maybe other people don't see, and that's good. The Lord has placed you here, not to be critical, but meet those needs. I know that there's uh, bound to be some things that our church needs, and if you're the individual that sees that there's a need, ask the Lord for wisdom and how to meet those needs, and go for it. The Lord has probably placed you here and to, to use you in a way that will build up this, this body of Christ. Yes, there are those things that keep the function of the church, and that's how you serve, but there's also things in which you grow spiritually as well. And I'm not pitting these two things against one another. You know, AV is important, and teaching is also important. Uh, the, body, the body of Christ have different functions. We learned about that a few months ago. And that's good. The, the Lord gives different abilities, and some people are going to be teachers. They have, they have a unique desire and giftedness to go and teach God's Word. This is why we have the high school, middle school, Sunday schools. We have adult Sunday schools. We have children's ministry. of all these different teaching-type things. And that's good, because these things are, help build uh, the spiritual condition of different individuals. And we want that. And there's no one gift that's more important than the other. All gifts are used by the Lord for his purposes. And I hope that when you think about your life here at SFBC, and more particularly here in Joint Heirs, that you're willing to serve, that you're willing to expend yourself. Paul writes in, sec- in Philippians chapter 2, verses 17, but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. Or two, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Paul's writing in context of you know, him being in prison, and he, even though he's locked away, he doesn't feel like it's a burden to serve the church. And why is that? It's because he loves God's people. That's really the heart of it. The reason why you want to serve, the reason why you want to meet the needs of people in the church is because you love God's people. You can't say that you love Jesus and hate the church. That's an oxymoron. I mean, if you say that to me, that like, I love Pastor Ray, but I hate his wife, you're gonna, you, we got to take this outside because that's not going to work. In the same way, if you claim to love Jesus Christ, if you love the Lord, then you would gladly serve the bride of Christ. Again, I'm not being legalistic here. I'm not saying that if you don't serve, then you're not a believer. I'm just saying that if you, natu- if you love the Lord, the natural outflow is that you love one another. And this is what Jesus commands his disciples before he went to the cross. He said, if you love me, if you truly love your brothers, you're willing to lay down your life for them. He demonstrated in the way that he washed his disciples' feet. And obviously the ultimate way is that he was willing to die for the sins of the world. And that includes his disciples as well. So if Christ is willing to expend himself, even giving up his own life, then we should be willing to do it. There is a tendency for us when we think about serving is to, is to kind of grumble in our own hearts. Why am I the only one doing this in the church? How come no one else is helping me? You know, sometimes that's, 
that, that, that if you're thinking in terms of doing things for recognition, if you're doing things for comfort, that's the wrong attitude. Understand that the main person that you're serving, yes, it benefits other people around you, but the main person you're serving is God himself. When you think about the ministry that you're part of, I hope that you won't be discouraged when the kids are not memorizing God's word or, or when the AV thing doesn't work or when things just doesn't go right. That You don't get discouraged. You just see that, okay, that's just a bad day, I guess, but I'm serving not for recognition or for praise of men, because I love the Lord, I'm willing to keep going because I want God's name to be known. To, fully, to faithfully serve is Christ-like because Christ was willing to give himself up for all of us. So we model Christ in that way, that we're willing to serve the church faithfully. Not only is this Bible study here, that we study God's word diligently, uh, that we seek discipleship regularly, that we serve the church faithfully to the glory of God, but lastly, to share the gospel boldly to the glory of God. Now, I think if, there was, if, there was, if we look at these four things, I would say that the evangelism portion would be the weakest. And I'm not saying that none of you are, I'm not saying that none of you are doing evangelism. I'm just saying that all of us would do more evangelism. And if you looked at the calendar earlier, there was, there was the evangelism crash course. Uh, the reason why I put that there is because next week uh, I'm going to do a little crash course of evangelism, but I'm also going to ask you guys to send in, either write down a question, we'll do a Q&A afterwards. Uh, I want to be able to help equip you to go and share the gospel. Um, so if you have a question about situations or doctrinal questions or even cult-type things, I want to be able to help you to help answer those questions. Um, Zach and I and Jeremy as well, we've been, last year we have, we've gone through this evangelism course, uh, and I think that's, you know, that's one way to do evangelism. We acknowledge that, that that's just one method. Uh, so next week, I'm just going to give just general biblical things, that, principles that we, to have uh, to just give you some tools so that when you're out there evangelizing someone, whether it's a family member or friend, whoever it may be, or even a stranger, that you at least have a grid on how you can interact with them and share the gospel with them. Now, this really is my hope for Join Heirs. Again, I feel like this is the weakness of not just Join Heirs. I think just... Just in general, I feel like in every church I've been to, evangelism is always the one that seems to be the weakest. And I think there, some for for some reason, and I think one of them is that it's just fear of man. You know, we don't. Again, it goes back to loving the Lord. If you love God, don't you want Him to be made known throughout the world? And we should. And I'm and again, I'm not saying that you guys don't have individuals in mind, but I'm saying that go beyond just having individuals in your mind. Go out and actually be willing to talk with them. Have those difficult conversations. In, the, in this past Sunday, when I talked about how from Ecclesiastes, a person just stay, just, just trying, constantly waiting for that perfect circumstance to share the gospel. And I think all of us, if we're to be completely honest, struggle to cease those moments. We just let the gospel opportunity pass by. And it's not because we don't know the gospel. I think it's just because we just... We're just afraid, and I want to help. And some people are afraid because they really just don't know don't know how to begin. And that's what next that next week's message is going to be about. I'm just going to give a crash course for us so that we're able to go and share the gospel boldly with others. And just to give some just forward you know planning as well, I, I hope to be able to do outreach events uh, with joiners as a collective Bible study. 
And what, one of the events I've come up with, and if you have more ideas, feel free to let me know. One of them I am going to, we're going to just do like a little park day and just invite all your non-believing friends. You know, I'm not going to do the thing where we're like, okay, now everyone sit, crowd around me, I'm going to share the gospel. But I want to equip you guys now so that when you meet, you know, your, someone from church's co-worker, that you can go share the gospel with them. That you're willing to just you know, build those relationships with them. I think our time here in this world is limited, and we should be able to go and share the gospel with those in our lives. So just keep a lookout for that uh, when, uh, when we make the announcements in terms of when and where. You know, think about it. And think about how we can just invite friends that you know. Like, hey, we're going to have this um, day at the park. Our church is hosting this, um, this hangout lunch thing. It's free. Just, feel, just, just join us for it. And then and that way we can at least make ourselves known to the community around us or even to your workplace that, hey, there are Christians here that, that can help them answer life's deepest questions. We, we want to be a salt and light in the world, and that is why we're here. Um, again, just a little preview of what we're going to do next week. Maybe I'll say it now so I don't have to say it next week, but when it comes to evangelism, there's a passive way of evangelism and an active way. Passive way is just that you live like Christ. In the way that you live, you become a, a pleasing aroma to those around you. You look like Christ. You live differently. You work differently. You talk differently. Everything about you is different, and that makes people interested in wanting to get to know you. And you can say, and when they ask these questions, why are you so patient at work? Why are you so calm? That's an opportunity for you to talk about Jesus Christ. It's that passively, like you're just faithfully living out God's word before other people, and then people see that, and they want to know about Jesus Christ. And there's active, where you're, when, they're, when you are actively thinking about someone, and you're praying for them, and then when opportunity comes, you go and share the gospel with them. That's pursuing people to win people to Christ. So those are you know, passive and active evangelism. And again, in our church, it's not that we don't have evangelism opportunities. You know, we have the evangelism team that goes door-to-door every month. Uh, we have city team, Zach kind of over helping oversee that. We have foster care with people in our church that are fostering children. That's one way that we can evangelize uh, to those that, you know, that are you know, kids that need the gospel. We have care portal as well. This is a way in which we can kind of meet the needs of, and with, this, with the city, people around us that just put things that they need, and we just go and bring just practical ways to build relationships with people around us. I know Blueprints a few months, was a year or so ago, they went door to door and asked if there's any way that they can help um, clean you know, the garden. And I know there aren't much gardens down here, but you know, just help just clean the streets. SF probably needs that a lot because of politics. But, you know, like there's just ways in which we try to be a light in this world. Um, again, something that I think Zach and I talked about during when we were coming out of the pandemic was like, well, one thing that was just very convicting to us is that when, when we're all locked up and we're staying at home, that nothing really changed. Like there was no like negative dip because of the absence of the church. And that's really that looks bad on us because that means that we didn't really have a gospel imprint. And because of that, I feel like that's something that all of us need to work on, that we can come alongside each other. And if you're not the type that's like a hardcore evangelist, well, then you need to really check your own heart because that's a command from the Lord. Why don't you want to tell people about Jesus Christ? Matthew 28 gives, tells us that, that we need to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and the, really the thing that should keep us secure is just knowing that he'll never leave us or forsake us. 
that he'll be with us. And when we're sharing the gospel with that loved one who is super antagonistic to the gospel, that Jesus Christ is with us. That when we're talking to that coworker that seems to be, you know, like an atheist or, or very liberal in their thinking, that God is with us. That when we are sharing the gospel with whoever we encounter, God is with us. And if, we, and if God is with us, there's no fear on whoever is against us. So that's for next week, a little preview of next week. Next week, again, is going to be a crash course on evangelism. Uh, we're going to go through um, just different practical ways in which you can share the gospel with someone. And if you have any questions, just write those things down, and then we'll just do a Q&A. And I will be here. I'll try to answer as many of the questions as possible. And uh, if you're too nervous, you could give to Alex, and Alex can ask questions for, uh, for you. Uh, but should, you know, again, this is a, that's next week's class is going to next week's Friday night. It's going to be like more, more like a Sunday school setting where I want you guys to interact with me. I'm going to just give you some principles, and then we can do dialogue. Uh, if you don't know certain things, that's perfectly fine. This is a safe space for you to learn, to be equipped, so that you can go out and make disciples of all nations. So again, join heirs. Uh, we are a group of people that study God's word diligently, that we seek discipleship regularly, that we serve the church faithfully, and that we share the gospel boldly. And we do all of these things to the glory of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, Lord, thank you for, again, this opportunity for us to kind of recalibrate about this Bible study and how we can be used by you for eternal purposes. And I hope that as we go through this, that you work in all of hearts, whether it's studying God's word, discipleship, <coughs> serving, or evangelism, wherever area that we, that we need to work on, that you, can, that you can move us to it, that you convict us of your word so that we can be able to, uh, to, to faithfully apply your word into our lives, faithfully in every area. Again, Lord, we want your name to be made known. We're, we want to do these things because we love you first and foremost. Be with us uh, this year, and may we be able to do all things to your glory. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Okay, so for discussion groups, and I, I didn't send the admin guys uh, the question, but think about the four areas. Evangelism, studying God's word, serving, or um, studying, uh, studying, or discipleship. Think about the four areas. Which one do you think is your weakest? I, I, I mentioned evangelism as I think as a whole Bible study that might be our weakness, so but particularly in your own life, which one do you think is the one that you want to work on? Uh, have that discussion with your group, and then talk about why that is a weakness in your life. Maybe you could rank it. What's the what's one that you think that it's the one that you need to work on the least, and the two the one that you need to work on the most? Uh, talk about that with one with one another, and find out why that is, and how you can encourage one another to be able to beef up the areas that are weak, and to continue to be steadfast on things that you are, are that you're doing well in. Cool?